Welcome to episode 20 of About Nashville. I'm Mike Rogers. Thank you for listening to my podcast, everybody. I truly appreciate it. Um, today's guest is world-renowned cartoonist, musician, and soon-to-be television host, Guy Gilchrist. Now, Guy Gilchrist, is fa- he's world-famous. He's, he's known all over for the cartoons that he creates in the newspapers every week. Uh, he's known nationwide for his Nancy comic strip, uh, the Muppets comic strip, the, ba- the Muppet Babies, Fraggle Rock, and even the, Teenage Mutant Tingen- even the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic books. Um, we talked about how he got into drawing comics and, and how he was hand-chosen by Jim Henson and, and how he got each of his jobs and, and, and how he almost lost that, that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic book uh, opportunity. And I think I might have even talked him into incorporating Honky Tonk Hitman somehow onto Fritzy's shirt or Nancy's shirt or into the Nancy cartoon somehow. Don't know if I was really successful about that or not, but, you know, hey, my fingers are crossed. We'll see if that happens. Um, want to stop for a second and say, hey, if you are in, around, or coming through Nashville, or if you live here and, and you haven't done it yet, go by the George Jones Museum. It's open every single day uh, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. The restaurant and rooftop bar open till 11 a.m. It's at 128 2nd Avenue, Nashville, Tennessee, 37201. It has everything George Jones. It has everything from his music to his furniture to his memorabilia, all the way down to the tractor. He rode all the way to the, the liquor store to buy some beer for with. He's, it's got everything. If you love the possum, yeah, I think that's how he said it. Yeah. Um, if you love the possum and, and, you, and, you, and you're a big fan of uh, George Jones, go to the George Jones Museum. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, Holly, have you had a chance to see or hear the Angry Old Man podcast? Did you hear that yet? No. You didn't? No. So, so let me play you a little snippet of that. It came out last week, and I, it was, so let me give you the premise of it. It's this one guy that lives in California, and he does all of these voices, if you will, the character voices, and um, they, they're kind of like the Muppets. You remember the Muppets? Mm-hmm. They're a lot like the Muppets, and they review my song, Honky Tonk Hitman. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So, so listen to this. It's pretty funny. Yes, uh, and uh, we will be reactivating the uh, Angry Old Man Podcast uh, Musical Review Society, which will uh, happen later on in the program. We uh, have been uh, in touch with a gentleman who does a podcast. It's called About Nashville. About Nashville. Yes, about Nashville, and his name is Mike Rogers. Curly, honey, may I stop you for just one moment? What is it, honey? Yes, Mike Rogers, by chance, wear those real tight-fitting jeans. What the hell do you mean tight-fitting jeans? I just want to know. Uh, I just want to know. I can't even ask. I know, but you're always asking me about your jealousy. I don't even know the word. Jealousy? It means nothing to you. All I wanted to know if he was wearing tight-fitting jeans. Does he wear tight-fitting jeans? Yes, he wears tight-fitting jeans. So he wears tight-fitting jeans. He does. Please, go ahead and... Mike Rogers is also a singer, okay, and uh, a boxer, a boxer, among other things, and he'll be performing his uh, song, Honky Tonk Hitman, later on in the podcast, and we will be, uh, as I said, reviewing it, uh, so we hope that you will stick around with us until we reach that point 
Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. They must have been at your show. They? Yeah. There's only one person. He must have been Don't there. get lost up in all the voices. It's, it's so cool, isn't it? it it's, it's like it's, it's like awesome. it's like multiple people in there. We mean they must have been at my show. Why would they have to be at my show? I mean you put, you were wearing your tight bridges when you were little to shake and what you trying to say? I'm not trying to say anything. You saying I'm you saying I wear tight you, ass jeans? You saying I'm <laughs> if you fart, you're gonna split them. I'm gonna just oh. them. they look good. Oh, you had they to go there. Cool, yeah. So you went all the way around the block and right there. Okay. Yeah. So over the weekend, did you by any chance watch the Game of Thrones no. season finale? No. Why, no. why did I come in on the end of a season? Because it was freaking phenomenal. It was absolutely fantastic. Ruin it for me. Tell me what happened. Tell you, I, well, I can't tell you everything that happened because so much happened, and I don't want to put too many spoilers out there, but I want to say if you're a Game of Thrones fan, oh my gosh, check this thing out. It is fantastic. It is awesome. And uh, and uh, Jon Snow is exactly uh, who I thought he was, or, or, or his heritage is. Anyway, so uh, another thing that I, I did over the weekend is my wife and I, we went to this, uh, the, have you ever been to the Nashville Flea Market? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. I, I went with her. I was I was hesitant. You know, it was me and the children and her, and I was, I was a little hesitant. But as we were walk, walking around this whole Nashville Flea Market, you know, I'm seeing all this stuff from my childhood that was like, I was going, oh my gosh, this is so freaking awesome. awesome. I know, right? Yeah. I was like, I was seeing like, like Darth Vader. There was, an, I almost bought it too, and I didn't. I wished I had now, but it was like, I don't know if you remember, but when we were kids, they had the, uh, the Darth Vader uh, carrying case for your collectible figures. I do not remember that. And they had it. And I'm a little older than you, but regardless. So they had it, and, and I almost bought it to start, you know, to start, because I still have some of my old uh, Star Wars char characters from 1977. Do you really? Still, I still, to this you day, still yes. Play with them? Yes, yeah, I, really? I, I still do. No, like no, no. Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. I kind of like myself. So Absolutely. Your Hell yes, I do. What are you playing with? Uh, not myself. Some, well, I could sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, so, they, so also, I mean, they also have, uh, like, I'm noticing all these, like, metal. Do you remember when we used to carry metal lunch boxes to yep. school? They had all the, like like all of those, and I was like, I, I think I want to start collecting metal lunch boxes again. I am just a nerd, uh, just an absolute and utter nerd. And the one thing through this interview with Guy Gilchrist and through others as well, I have come to realize about myself, and and I am one hundred percent a Southern country nerd. And, and and I think that for so many years I was closeted because you live in the South. You were in the closet. And yeah, I was absolutely in the closet because you live in the South and you're afraid to let my... I was just talking about this with my nephew. He lives in San Francisco. He actually uh, is from Arkansas and he got a job at Apple and he went up there. And he was talking about going to this party the other night with people that were like him, the nerds. Okay. And, and, and when you grow up in the South and you show that you're a little bit of a nerd or a little bit of a geek, it automatically puts you on the wrong end of the spectrum and, and you get bullied. You could get bullied or you could be ostracized. So you hide that part of you, even though it is a part of you, you hide it because you don't want to be judged. I guess I'm at a point in my life where I just don't give a damn if I'm judged, you know? If I don't think I, I ever care. I, I think I'm just going to let my geek flag fly. You should. And, and, and I'm, and I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, and as I was walking through there and looking at all the comic books and things that I wanted and the little figures and the, and the stuff, I thought, you know what? 
this is something that I can share with my kids. It is a part of who I am. And I'm just, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm not going to closet it anymore. I'm, I guess I should be the honky tonk hit nerd. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not. You know, exactly. It's the (laughs) alias. It's the other portion of, of who I am, I guess. Um, and, 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 and one thing that I was noticing as I was going through all the comic books is, and, and you, do you, did you ever read comic books when you were growing up? No, I wasn't into comic books. Really? Because nope. the one thing that jumped out at me is there are no poor or country superheroes. No. They're all rich and from the city. All the villains are poor. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, think about that for a moment. The only poor villain I can think of off the top of my head is Lex Luthor. And he lived in the city. The only country superhero that I can think of, even remotely, was Clark Kent, who became Superman. He grew up yeah. on a farm. But hell, he, he left that farm as soon as he got of age, and I probably would have too, because his daddy probably worked him to death. You know, you, hey boy, go out there and have, you know, bail the hay and, and. You are kind of a nerd. You know, and what? You are kind of a nerd. What do you mean? You're a nerd. I mean, you're talking about this stuff, and I'm just like. Yeah, okay, I'm not interested. Well, I know, but but think about that. If you worked on a farm and your son was a superhero and had superhero strength, hell, his neighbors probably wondered why he didn't even have a tractor. How the hell do you do your, you know? But you have to think about it. Nobody knows that you're a superhero. They know you don't have a damn tractor, and then you're sitting there plowing the fields, and you got to, you know, how the hell are you plowing your fields without a tractor or a mule? I don't think it matters. They probably want to hire him. Oh, Lord, Edmar. See, that's, that's my philosophy. My theory is that Superman or Clark Kent left the farm to go to the city to get to quit working the damn farm. No, and here's another, save the- here's another interesting thing that I started thinking about, and this probably is a little bit nerdy, but I started thinking about this, too. Even the superheroes that took normal jobs and tried to be the superhero life had kind of some unethical <laughs> behavior in the way that they made their living. Think about that. <laughs> Superman was what? He was a journalist. Yeah, right. He was Clark Kent as a journalist. Right. And what was his claim to fame? Yep. Getting obscure pictures and interviews with Superman. That's a little bit... Uh, and and, and, and uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man did the same thing. He was an, uh, a photographer and did the same thing. Yeah. They utilize their, their special skills and superhero abilities to make extra money, uh, which is no different than the Joker utilizing his skills to rob banks, probably. Maybe I may, may have got way off base on that one, but, <laughs> but you know, well, I don't know. I don't know. So as I, you know, I nerded out a little bit there, and I, and I started thinking about those things. I was like, well, you know, I could see. I, could, I would like to see, you know, a little bit more stories about that, you know, why are all the superheroes, why do they all live in the, you know, the city? Why are they all rich? Why are there not any, you know, why don't you take these superheroes and move them into the poor neighborhoods? Honky Tonk Hitman, there you go. Superhero. Make your own. But he's now Honky Tonk Hit Nerd, so now I'm walking around, you know, <laughs> do, do, you want, do you want me to save you with my stapler? Everybody has an alias. What's your alias? I, I, I don't have one. You just said everybody has an alias, so that means you as well have an alias. So what's your alias? I don't have an alias. That's a lie. I don't. I don't have an alias. Okay. All right. Well, so the next thing that ended up happening was was uh, my wife. She she saw this coffee table. It was kind of an older looking coffee table, and, and it had a couple of drawers on it and everything. She said, "I think we can get this. We're gonna go ahead and take this to the house, and it'd be so nice there." And I'm like. 
Maybe you that, can't sound like that. That looks like worse. Not. That's my. That's my. My version. But so you know, and I'm looking at it. and I'm going, okay. Well, well. Let me see. I, I could probably sand it down and finish it up, and and you know, stain the top and paint the bottom. And so I took a before picture and. Damn, I took that thing outside and I started working on it, getting my sander on it. You know, I'm, I'm like feeling like a man at this particular moment because I'm working on wood and right. I'm working with my hands and I'm like, ah, and she's I've got my shirt off and she's coming out there going, well, I didn't know you could do this. If I knew you could do this, we could be making some money on some other things and just be selling furniture, refurbishing it and selling it. And I'm like, I ain't real good with this. I'm just, just you know, I just make it look good. I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just, you thank you, honey. I love you. That's right. And uh, so I, I kept on, and and uh, I'm still working on it. But I will show you the before and after pictures. I'll post them online. But I'm, I'm going to be pretty proud of this thing. After I'm done with it, it's going to look really, really good. I, I bought. So the guy wanted initially he wanted seventy five dollars for it. And I talked him down to forty. And it's a big, heavy, heavy piece of wood. And and. Uh, and I think that by the time I'm done with it, it'll look like I you know, spent $500 on it or 400 400 $500. It's going to look really, really nice. I'll post it online and we'll, we'll see what everybody else thinks. But um, another thing that happened that scared the holy bejeebas out of me was so it started raining and uh you know lightning and stuff and so my wife is like we need to get the we, we left the cornhole uh, and for those of you out there that are not in the south uh that's not some kind of prison term um <laughs> well, it could be. okay yes it could be but uh uh but but cornhole is a game that we play uh where you throw these bean bags at another board with a hole in it and try to get it in the hole anyway so we had cornhole in the backyard we'd been playing it and we left it out there and it started raining so we went and got those out then my wife was like we need to dump the water out of the pool i'm like no we don't we'll just get that tomorrow the rain is gonna get raining what the hell she's like no there's toys in the pool we gotta get the rain we gotta get it out the pool we gotta dump the pool i'm like okay shit so we're going out there and i'm not lying i am I'm, I'm i'm not shitting you so we're picking up the pool and we're dumping it over and bam lightning hit like a foot from us on the ground I like I shit on myself literally completely shit on myself and I did what a man does you know uh, I beat her in the house <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did I beat her ass in the house and she's like what are you doing why are you why did you beat me in the house why you a man would stay behind and protect this woman I'm like damn it somebody got to raise the kids that's right that's I'm right. like that's somebody right. got to be alive enough to protect the kids and if that lightning's gonna come again I gotta get my ass out of there and she's like well that's just not very manly that's just not I, well, hell man hell I'm being a daddy I'm being a daddy well, she got to see you with your shirt off she got to see you standing down that table what more of a man did she want to see I don't know you were, you were your man for the day she saw a man shit in her damn pants I'm, t- I'm telling you right now I did I shit I had it running down my leg like like just like nastiness running down my leg I was so freaking scared I mean that was and I'm like we, we like locked the door bolted the door and we're like hiding we're like is that shit gonna come get us again i don't know that was scary it was like no nah, i don't know about all that but it's just like, like what the hell were we thinking wow. who goes and tries wow. to dump a pool with lightning coming up over the Somebody sky who wanted to save the toys Fuck the toys. <laughs> Fuck the damn toys. I, right. Oh, my gosh. On to this interview with uh, Guy Gilchrist. Let's do this thing.
Welcome to About Nashville with your host, the Honky Tonk Hitman, Mike Rogers. cranking it <laughs> oh my gosh so what, what have you been you've been doing a lot of comic cons tons man uh yeah i'm i'm nostalgia now i had absolutely no idea i was nostalgia uh-huh um the guys at uh, uh the wizard world people mm-hmm. uh they came into nashville last year and asked me if i'd do a comic con and i i don't do comic cons I, that's what i told them because i'm not a comic book guy i'm a comic strip guy and i'm a tv guy and uh-huh. a licensing and merchandising guy but anyway i went and did it and i realized that all those kids that grew on on uh, up on uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles and muppets and muppet babies mm-hmm. they all got kids of their own now uh-huh. and uh man just hundreds of people that weekend and uh, so I started and I went out on the road and I think uh, this week coming up will be like our 13th or 14th show and uh, we're gonna do 20 by the end of the year really yeah yeah man it's it's crazy because I am I'm doing the Nancy strip Uh and that's a daily thing and uh, so now I've got to learn how to do them in hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and you know find a find a a 24-hour-a-day Kinko's Mm -hmm. and scan the stuff and you know get it out to uh, where it's got to go because man I got this little full-time job you know in a newspaper and I I really don't want that to be blank So how how far ahead are you when you draw Nancy? uh, Nancy is it called Nancy or Nancy and Sluggo? No, it's Nancy. But everybody, but people do tend to call it Nancy and Sluggo. Well, I just remember it being Nancy, and uh, uh, I was just I always had the hots for Fritzy. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But anyway. um, Well, you'll like the week I'm working on now. I've already seen. I've already seen. I've I've seen it. I've been looking at it on Instagram, going, "Hmm, this is kind of really cool." Yeah, I do it for the kids. Um, so you, you uh, uh, where, where, where did you grow up? Connecticut. Connecticut? Yeah. So how yeah. did you, there's not a lot of country folks in Connecticut, and your country is cornbread. Yeah. Uh, well, when I was a kid, uh, I liked, you know, I liked the rock and roll of the time. Oh, you know, okay. Credence and, mm-hmm. and Eagles, and, uh, well, in the, in the 60s, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and, and, uh, and Zeppelin and stuff. Um, but I really liked Rockabilly, mm-hmm. and I really liked uh, uh, the the early, you know, the Sun Records, and I liked, you know, Brenda Lee on Decca and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, I, I used to walk past this guy's house that he was a DJ for a little tiny country station, WEXT, in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, and. Uh, uh, I'd walk by his house every day, uh, and uh, he'd invite me in, and he would have all of the country records that 
the rock and rollers, early rock and rollers were doing. Uh, Elvis and Jerry Lee and Carl Perkins and Cash and uh -huh. Roy Orbison, because they all went country in like 68, 69, 70. Right. And so, and he knew I was kind of poor uh -huh. and didn't have a, uh, you know, much of a, of a home. Uh, and so, you know, he'd give me all these records and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really turned me on to, you know, Hank Williams mm -hmm. and, uh, and of course, and, and getting all those records by all the Sun guys and Brenda Lee and everything, that was just huge. Um, and then when I started writing songs, you know, I learned the three chords and we get dangerous, right? Um, <laughs> and you learn the truth. <laughs> three chords of the truth. Three, three chords of the truth. Um, uh, you know, and I, I started taking the poems, you know, that, uh, that I was doing to, you know, try to woo some girl in the eighth grade or whatever. <laughs> you know, you start telling stories and, and uh, you start telling stories and it, you, you go country. As soon as you start telling a story, mm -hmm. uh, it, it really becomes, you know, like country music, folk music, country rock, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's... Uh, that was uh, that was my taste in music, mm -hmm. and uh, then in about I guess it was eighty or eighty one, uh, we had a record uh, that just barely broke the Billboard charts. It, you know, we, we always say that uh, uh, you know we hit the charts, but the charts hit back harder because <laughs> we, we only got up until like like ninety two or four or something like that. Oh. Yeah, you know, for a couple of weeks and it fell off, but that was enough, you know, to get me, you know, to, to kind of give me the itch yeah. and. Uh, and to get my first little publishing deal uh -huh. and all that kind of stuff. So I was doing that right along with cartooning. So you uh, actually had the, the uh, well, okay, so it was going, it was concurrent. Yeah. I, th I thought you might have had the itch to be a musician before you did it. It was all the artist. same. No, to me, honestly, um, Mike, it's, it's I, I consider myself a writer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, in cartoons, I, I'm a writer who hires the cheapest illustrator he can find. Mm -hmm. The guy he doesn't have to pay me. So, and, and did and, uh, you go to college for that, or no. did you go to school for it? You just just all it's all just started. And Nate, yeah, it's yeah. all in. Well, I, I don't think so. No, I, God's really blessed me with people along the way that have that have really helped me. Okay. Uh, when I was in uh, uh, middle school, mm -hmm. uh, junior high, uh, there was an art teacher there that was really really good to me, mm -hmm. and he saw that I had progressed farther than you know a lot of the other kids at my age, and so he really created. My own curriculum for mm -hmm. me, and you know, gave me anatomy uh, lessons and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't get in like you know sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Right. Um, but he knew that I, you know, that that I wanted it, and that I came from a family of eight kids, and no one was going to college. So, uh, you know, he helped me out, and then uh, he. Uh, recommended that I get a job. Uh, he recommended me for a little job where they pay me like five or six dollars a week uh -huh. uh, to work uh, in Connecticut for the school system and draw pictures for them. I did that all summer and they paid me in a couple of bucks and art supplies. And by the time I was 14, 15 years old, I was getting professional work. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, just to put this in perspective and, and you're doing all of this and, and <clears throat> 14, 15 years old, what was your vision at that time? What was your long-term goal? What were, you, were you thinking, I want to create my own characters and mm -hmm. create my own comic book? Or what, what was your what was your, your plan at that time? It was, like, it, was like, it was like rich and famous. Uh -huh. You know, I want to be rich and famous. Uh, you know, I came from nothing. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, But 
my so I, I Walter you know uh, Walt Disney was the most famous cartoonist in the world and and Walter Lance was awfully famous you know the guy that created Woody Woodpecker mm -hmm. and I thought I I'd, I'd like to be like them okay and uh, I worked at a drugstore uh, stacking shelves and stuff as a kid and I found a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill for a buck mm -hmm. that I had to steal for three days till I got paid <laughs> and then I gave him the buck. Anyway, I read That's the a book. Great story. I read the book and within, and I gave myself a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, probably like 13, 14 years old, something like that, and I gave myself a, a five-year plan and I stuck to it all through high school and all of that. And by the time I was 18, and, and the plan was kind of simple. I wanted to be out of my house. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be living on my own. And since I couldn't go to college, I wanted to uh, get get classes by working for someone who knew more than me and learn from them. And then back in the day, you know, I, I had like a, I had like this sort of nasty little streak, you know, I, I don't think I have too much of it left, but um, I decided that, uh, you know, since the world hated me so much, I was going to, uh, I also wanted to have hired someone uh -huh. who went to college, <laughs> you know, just to kind of, you know, I mean, what an idiot, but that, you asked me what my sure, goals were, sure. that was my, that was my goal, and it all happened, uh, it all happened, you know, by the time I was like 20 years old, I was working for Weekly Reader, and writing and drawing a comic book that uh, uh, went national, and, uh, Super Colonel, and uh, I was just doing a show somewhere in the Midwest, I forget where, mm -hmm. and a veteran came up to me, and he had read my bio on, uh, and, uh, and and came up to me, you know, asking if he could, you know, get some original stuff to auction off, uh, you know, for Wounded Warrior Project. And, uh, but anyway, he had like 50 copies of that oh, wow. for me to sign. I've never seen that many in one place. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know anybody remembered it. But yeah, so I, I started doing Weekly Reader and you know, within a couple of years I was doing Muppets. Yeah, like, I was speaking of uh, obscure comic books. I actually have a Marty Stewart comic book. Are you serious? Yes. There was a Marty Stewart comic book? I, I think I might have an extra one. If I can find it, I'll give it to you. Uh, uh, and it's a it's a Marty Stewart comic book where he's a superhero in it. Well, of course. And he goes in there, and, and I think he uses his guitar. It shoots rays out of the, out of the guitar, <laughs> and he, he kills the bad people that don't like country music or whatever. It's, it's really cool. I remember growing up, you know, you had the comic books of the Beatles and the Monkees mm -hmm. and... and, uh, uh, and and stuff like that, but I never seen a, a Marty Stewart. Uh, uh, well, I, I will get you a copy then. I will make. I will make sure. And even if it's the last one I got, I'll give it. No, to no, you. no, no, no. But I want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. I found it in a. Uh, um, I just went to one of these. Like, I, I, I'm a comic book freak, and uh, I'm, I'm like the toughest nerd you'll ever meet. Like, I like comic books, geeky stuff, nerdy things. Like, are, are you? No, are you a Marvel guy or a DC guy? I'm both. I mean, why do you have to pick? Uh, well, you know, when we were growing up, you, we kinda did. Had to, you, you kind of you did, you did. As a child, I was probably I would say Marvel, mm -hmm. but as I got older, I was like, I really don't. You know, I like both. I like there's things with both of them that I like. And I was a DC guy because kind of like, um, like cards. You were talking about how you had to pick. Yeah. And we were when we were trading cards as a kid, you were either Don Russ or Tops. Yeah, yeah, day. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I'm older than you, and there was really only Tops oh, when yeah. I was a kid, and uh, yeah, so we didn't have that choice. 
this. Mm-hmm. We our our choices were you know closies or farthies, you know, <laughs> flipping the cards. Um, and uh, yeah, I was a DC guy probably just because. Um, uh, not having any money, mm-hmm. um, the the DC stories would end mm-hmm. at the end of the the comic, mm-hmm. and the Marvel ones would continue. And I didn't know if I'd get the next Thor, you know. But I knew, you know. But it, but it didn't matter if I got the next Flash. So I was a DC guy. I, I you know I'm sitting here trying to remember because I, I I I collected crazy stuff. Like I, people would look at me like. You know, why aren't you reading Spider-Man or something like that? I would read like Warlord or Conan the Barbarian and yeah. all that. And I got the number I one issue. I love Conan. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> Iraq, uh, Eric. Eric, Iraq, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there was, I always liked these like uh, tribal barbarian kind of guys. And, and Did you uh, get the black and white ones too, like Savage Sword of Conan? Yes. And I said, those things are awesome. Yes. Yes, yeah, and the thing art. is, I still have everything I ever bought, even as a little kid. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. I, I just, have nothing that I ever bought. I have three ex-wives. <laughs> you have three floods. You lost them all in the floods. Uh, the flood. I, I really can't say anything. I have two ex-wives, so I know. <laughs> I, I, but somehow you saved your comic books. I God did. God bless you, man. I did. Well, they, I don't think they ever knew they existed, because mm-hmm. I just, I, you know, you, you kind of put them off in your boxes, and you store them away, and, and I think that there was a part of me for a long time that hid my geek my nerd because yeah. uh, you know you, you had that whole persona of the honky tonk hitman and people were like you know they expect you to be a certain way wearing the cowboy hat and being a tough badass or whatever else but the truth of the matter is I'm really a geek and I'm really a nerd and I didn't want anybody to know it so I was just like I wouldn't talk about the things that really interested me mm-hmm. like when I was, even I was like that even as a little kid I mean I was interested in dungeons and dragons and things of oh, that nature seriously? Yeah. yeah and I even bought the stuff and would like make my own little dungeons and things and, and would like you know try to get the dice and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I didn't have any friends that I could play with, so I just played by myself, and, and I kind of I was a closeted nerd, if you will. <laughs> when I was a kid, we, um, uh, you know, there weren't any there weren't any video games or anything like that, and so uh, all of us would we all collected comics. It seemed like every kid I knew, you know, collected comics to one extent or another, mm-hmm. and then we we would all try to draw what we you know try to copy oh, that's cool. uh, and uh, yeah we would just like you know hang out you know on you know on the bedroom floor or you know on the the, the living room uh, in the living room or the, in the kitchen or whatever uh, at anybody's house and we'd have stuff and that was when I you know found out that I could do it better right. you know than than uh, than anybody else mm-hmm. uh, but we all liked it and uh, uh, you know, we, and we used to just play all the stuff like, uh, you know, James West and Artemis Gordon and stuff like that, you know, and Batman and Robin and stuff and be idiots out in the, out in the woods. Speaking of drawing, I, I, I watch how you put your drawings together um, as on Instagram, and mm. I, I never in my wildest imagination thought that that's how comic books and cartoons and things like that. I didn't think that that's how they were made. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But literally, there's like so much detail that you you add in that I guess gets covered up after you put in everything else mm-hmm. that I'm like, how? That is so interesting. The way you like oh, the, skele- the skeletal and the way you Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, when when I was a kid, I would look at the black line, you know, mm-hmm. the ink, and I thought that that's how you drew. You know, like if yeah. you got really, really good, right. you just drew like that. And uh, it was Walter Lance on TV uh 
before the Woody Woodpecker show mm -hmm. in the afternoons, he would come on and he would show you, you know, how to draw his characters and how they were animated and they were these pencil drawings and then they would ink over them and I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, I learned, you know, the circles and to find the centers and stuff like that and to spin things around and yeah, once you, when you put the line in, uh, you know, a lot of times it looks very, very simple. Mm -hmm. um, because you're striving for that one perfect particular line, but underneath it's a mess. Right, right. Well, did, so did you share that with your friends, or did you just kind of keep that secret to yourself? Oh no, I I, I shared it with everybody, man. I was <laughs> like, nah, I, nah. I figured, you know, he he showed it to the world, so I'm like, hey, look at this. Right, right, right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, you you start working on this comic book. Then, what leads you to Mr. Henson? Um. I lived in Connecticut, and uh, we were on. There were sort of two sides of the state, uh, and there, uh, and it's really down right down the center of the of the state. Um, toward New York are all the Yankee fans, and uh, and then as you get closer to New York, to Westchester County and stuff, that's where all the wealthy folks are. Mm -hmm. And there are some wealthy folks on the other side of the state, which is sort of the Red Sox Nation. That's where I'm from. I'm Red Sox Nation. Uh, and uh, but there's more poor folks over there. Anyway, it's a small state, and you can get you know from here to there, you know anywhere from in an hour and a half, hour and th three quarters. Mort had a uh, uh, Mort Walker, uh, the creator of Beetle Bailey and High and Lois and Boner's Ark, one of the most successful cartoonists. Love Beetle Bailey. Uh, Love yeah. it. Anyway, Mort had a he took millions of his own dollars and he opened up a museum of cartoon art. It was like the first one in the United States to show that cartoons and comic books and comic strip art were, were art. Mm. And uh, anyway, when I found out this existed, I started going down there all the time. First it was in Greenwich on Field Point Road, and then they bought a big old castle uh, that was made of concrete uh, just over the New York line. And anyway, I used to go down there every chance I got. I was down there so often that the people around there thought I lived right in the neighborhood. Of course, mm -hmm. I didn't. I lived far away. Um, they had a thing where they would have a, a famous cartoonist come in and do a talk once a month. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that famous cartoonist couldn't make it. So Mort had, there were all kinds of cartoonists in that, right in that area, the New York, Connecticut area. And he'd have very famous people like Dick Brown, you know, who does High and Lois and, and Hagar, um, or John Cullen Murphy, who did Prince Valiant, et cetera, et cetera. Bob Clampett, you know, all the, the Warner Brothers cartoons, and Beanie and Cecil. He'd have these amazing people, but sometimes they couldn't get anybody. And so they would try to grab somebody at the last minute, and I would offer to do it. And after I did it a couple of times, uh, they found out I was pretty good at speaking in front of people and drawing and teaching people how to draw. And so they kept asking me back and back and back. And finally, Mort saw me do it. And uh, coming in from a golf game or something, he saw five minutes of it, and he went, you know, you're pretty good. Um, but no one knows what the hell you do. <laughs> and... Uh, he said, so let's actually schedule you to like do a teach, teach kids cartoons or something, uh -huh. and we'll put some artwork of yours up so people know what you do. What do you do anyway? And I told him I did this little comic book for Weekly Reader. Anyway, so we brought the original artwork down, and he basically essentially gave me a one-man show at the museum. Mm -hmm. And we put this artwork around, and Mort must have seen it. It was a funny animal comic, and uh, Mort remembered it, I guess. And one day he was out playing golf with Bill Yates, the head of King Features. 
eighty. Yeah. Shit, Billy Yates. Billy Yates. Well, Billy Yates. Yeah, not Billy Yates. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, you and I have had some good times with Billy oh, yeah, Yates yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of good times with Bill Yates too. Uh, Bill, <laughs> um, as it turned out, Bill wound up being like my uncle. Um, Anyway, uh, and Bill was lamenting the fact that they had had a contract with the Henson folks for a year now, almost a year, to develop a Muppets comic strip. And they had tried out 200 different writers and artists, roughly, all these different teams between who Henson brought in and who King brought in. And Henson people didn't like how any of it was shaken down. And they were about to lose the contract. And Mort said, Muppets, frog and a pig? Bill says, yeah. He says, well, this is hippie kid. He does funny animals. And Bill called me out of the blue. I got a phone call from the head of King Features. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm like, and I'm like, this is like idiot. You know, I pick up the phone. Hey, it's Bill Yates, King Features. I'm like, I actually swore. I went, yeah, you. You said F you? Yeah. <laughs> I said F you. Chuck, I said Chuck, and I hung up the phone because I thought it was my brother-in-law giving me crap. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because I I would take about once a month I'd write a new comic strip and mail it to King Features, uh-huh. and I never heard from them or anything. Sure. So I figured he was giving me crap, you know. Uh-huh. And anyway, so the phone rings right away and he goes, "Hey." F you. This is not Chuck. This is Bill Yates. And I'm like white on the floor, like freaking out. It's really <laughs> Bill Yates. And um, anyway, uh, so he, you know, he he gave me a shot anyway. And um, I brought stuff in. <laughs> what? <laughs> I would have been like, I'm the hippie kid. Uh, I'm high. I'm high. Please forgive me. <laughs> well, see, no, the thing was that, like, uh, the thing was, I didn't know the story, you know, with Mort or anything. I mean, no one gave me a heads up. I mean, this was like out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I tried out. I did the best I could. And there mm-hmm. were no, no cartoons of the Muppets at all. Um, and so you had to watch the television basically and draw real fast uh, to try to figure out. But they had, like, the some um, Fisher-Price dolls mm-hmm. of some of the characters and plus Sesame Street characters. And so I could kind of copy, you know, what that looked like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I wrote it and I drew it. What and, year was this? Uh, this was 81. Early, oh. early 81. That's or, or late, late 80. Late 80, I guess. Yeah. And um, anyway, Bill liked it pretty good. And uh, uh, I've already made a long story, so I can't make it short now. But uh, <laughs> We can make it longer. <laughs> uh, it's going to be. <laughs> Anyway, I wound up working for a year for free to be, okay? Um, And I think that's the reason I got the job. Okay. I just wouldn't give up. During that year, you know, Bill would ask me, I mean, it didn't start off that I was going to be working for almost a year. It was, he said, oh, you got some more gags? I said, sure. I'd go home, write some more gags, you know, send them up, bring them up, you know. And since no one was telling me, okay, we don't want you, That book, you know, the Think and Grow Rich, it's like, well, you got your foot in the door. Keep keep going, you know, make the sale, right? Had you so, met Jim Henson yet? No, oh no, I didn't know, I didn't meet anybody. Oh gosh. No, 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 no. I just kept mailing the stuff in to King Features, and the okay. King was sending them over to Henson. Gotcha, gotcha. And I heard that they thought it was like okay or something that they, you know, weren't turning no it down. No feedback. They really just weren't getting. Not it. much. And then eventually, after a couple of months, they invited me in, and I met with Michael Frith, who eventually became my boss. 
boss. Well, Jim was my boss, and 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 Jim was also Michael's boss, mm -hmm. and Michael really taught me how to draw. Um, but Michael was the head of creative there, and I met him. And I, I mean, just going over to the the brownstone where it all happened. I mean, I was freaking out, you know, just being in at at one seventeen East Sixty Ninth where the Muppet you know, workshop was, where they were building Muppets and everything. It was amazing. So, um, but anyway, I met with them, and they were like uh, semi-encouraging, you know, but they're iffy. I went home, and I just kept on going. Mm -hmm. And I think Bill eventually started feeling sorry for me because he wrote me a couple of checks and and sent them to me. Um, I mean, I wasn't starving or anything because I had the comic book, mm -hmm. um, and I would just stay up late. You know, every night and, and draw the thing, and eventually, I, you know, eventually uh, it had been a long time. And the phone rang one day, and it was about I don't know, probably seven o'clock my time in Connecticut. So it was early in the West Coast. It was kind of late, mm -hmm. uh, and it was like in in March or April of '81. And um, it was Jerry Jewell, the head writer of the Muppets. And I'm going like Jerry, like Jewell, J-U-H-L, like on the crawl at the end of the Muppets. He's like, you rube, you know. <laughs> and anyway, and he starts talking about the strip. He actually, he just started telling stories and stuff. And, you know, hey, wouldn't it be funny if, if, if uh, Gonzo had a bunch of chorus girls, but they were all worms <laughs> and stuff like that. And I'm listening to this, like laughing. I'm going like, I can't believe that Jerry Jewell is calling me, you know. And, I, and, and finally he said, well, are you writing this down? And I said, no. He says, well, the, the, do you know you're working on the strip, right? I went, what? <laughs> yeah. No one had called me. I'd had the job for like a month, month and a half. And um, nobody paid you either? Nobody paid me. Nobody called me. Nothing. And um, You were like the guy looking for a stapler in the office. <laughs> <laughs> it was my stapler. I want my stapler. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, I mean, and then I, I had to like just keep my composure. Like, oh, I talk to the head writer of the Muppets every day, you know, because now I've got to talk to him about creating a comic strip where I'm just this kid who, you know, I can't believe that, you know, God's blessed like this I'm just awesome. freaking out man yeah and so eventually I met Jim uh -huh. um, did you ever get to actually go into where they were making the money? oh gosh all the time oh I'm so jealous I'm so oh, jealous oh dude I got to like do everything that okay everything there is that you could ever imagine in your Muppet Fantasy, I, I got that. Are I got you all. serious? Oh my gosh, do you have any of the like the, the actual Muppets? No, 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 no. Jim was extremely careful about, but I do actually have a swatch of green from a Kermit, a real Kermit. Oh my I do have a swatch God. of the fabric. Yeah. I was such a huge uh, Muppet fan that I would like, uh, I would, I would sit there by the television and try to impersonate them. I would be like, <laughs> ah. I'm Fuzzy Bear. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. You know, pretty good. Mork, 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 mork. Ralph, the dog here. <laughs> oh, Kermie, Kermie. Uh, yeah, good Frank Oz stuff there. Yeah, well, I just, I just, I was, I was just so enamored with the whole Muppet thing that yeah. I, I was just trying oh, me to make, too. I was trying to make all the voices and do them and everything, and yeah, yeah I was just, I was. Well, I was a huge, huge fan, and uh, uh, this was like. You know, this was it. This was like every dream you know you ever had. I mean, but I didn't, who who would ever dream that? And uh, you know, but I got that. 
So on the on the Muppet Show, uh, Merle Haggard played a song with the Muppets. It was Misery and Gin, and I think they cut it down so that the, there weren't any cuss words or anything. And, yeah. You know, and and it was I thought it was so cool that I went to church the following Sunday and I sang for the church choir to get into it, Misery and Gin. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I thought, hey, they did it on the Muppets. <laughs> it's it's cool. It's cool. Well, I mean, you know, Cash was on there, Loretta Lynn. When I met Loretta Lynn uh, here a couple years before I finally moved here, mm-hmm. what do you think we talked about? We talked about, you know, the, the Muppets uh-huh. and, and how she'd just tell me, you know, it's just so weird because she says, you're talking to them and you don't realize there's somebody underneath there that can see your petticoats and everything. <laughs> it's just so funny. Oh, my gosh. Do you still follow the Muppets? Yeah. Did, yeah. What did you think about the, the, the revision so, that they did? It's okay. Uh, it was not okay. crazy about it. Um, I, I th- well, I'm sorry they didn't have a chance to do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it already got canned. Right. And um, uh, but that's what you get with networks. Right. Um, you know, the Muppet Show would have never happened had it been a network show. It wasn't a network show. You know, it was owned by any of the networks. It was syndicated. It was really the first big syndicated hit. No, no one, yeah, no one owned it, or else it would have never happened. You know, there were five episodes, uh, five years of the Muppets, uh, the original show. And um, but it didn't really start even catching on until the end of the second season. You know, the first year and a half were a bust. And of course, there's and you look at the weird variety of uh, people that hosted, co-hosted, guested on the show. You would have never, ever, ever gotten that kind of thing. You know, if you were if you were network. So while I wasn't really enamored of you know some of the writing and some of it was very funny and some of it I thought was nasty and I, I didn't like I think they were trying to appease or appeal to the kids that are grown up yeah that I don't think they were trying to appeal to kids anymore I think they were trying to appeal to the kids that grew up watching it that were now adults yeah you're probably right and you know but I think that they were starting to figure out uh, starting to figure some stuff out right. but you know when you're uh, they were flying high for about I think three four weeks mm-hmm. and then they, it started to tail off and once it starts tailing off you know, you know in, in television they start firing people mm-hmm. and so somebody that you were just talking to about changing the direction of the show and stuff like it now they're fired and now there's another person in their place and then they want to put a stamp on it and then somebody else gets fired and da, 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 da. and so you know you're and and so you know you're you're swimming around really directionalist because there's no one for you you know to concur with sure. about you know the direction that you're going to go um, and and I think that that was the case you know with this uh, had it not been network had it been its own entity had Disney owned it so that they could run it whether you know I mean really owned it mm-hmm. um, so that it didn't matter what the ratings were um, it would have been nice to see a second year I wish Netflix or Hulu would pick them up and and put out one movie a year where the entire Muppet cast does a parody of some famous movie that's popular that year or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Just instead of like just doing a parody with the characters yeah. to cast themselves. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that would be so cool. Yeah. To, you know, hey. Well, that's kind of the, the, the two Muppet things that they do really, really well uh, is to parody something mm-hmm. or us against the world. Right. You know, right. That's their, that's really the two, the two stories uh, that they, that they do the best of, of anything. So then how did did you go from that to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, uh, we were working on, uh, uh, the studio kept getting bigger and bigger, and I had people that I'd hired. Uh, we had painters, I had assistants, all kinds of stuff. And as we were turning out 
um, not only the strip every day, but the Muppet Babies turned into a huge thing. Okay. And uh, that came along in like 83, 83. Was that your creation or Henson's? Um, Jim, uh, Jim, uh, and those guys thought of it, um, and it it actually uh, it started out as a dream sequence in the third Muppet movie, Muppets Take Manhattan. When they were working on that, they sent me pictures of the puppets. They had like four or five puppets in Polaroids, and they said, "What would these characters look like as cartoons?" <laughs> and then draw all the characters as baby cartoons because I was drawing the Muppets as cartoons every day. Uh-huh. I was kind of the only one that was doing that. So I was one of the guys that actually co-created you know, the babies because mm-hmm. uh, I worked on the cartoon version and um, I wasn't an animator or anything but I helped you know, create the look of the characters mm-hmm. uh, and then all the toys, the games, all that stuff, I mean, we probably did a good 60% of everything that came out like for years so we had a big studio oh, and wow. I was drawing I was drawing 24-7 mm-hmm. and uh, and we were painting and airbrushing back then there was no digital so you did everything by hand and um, it turned out I didn't know this but um, uh, Eastman and Laird um, I guess knew who I was and well, they lived in Massachusetts, and I was in Connecticut, so that might be the only reason that they knew. But anyway, I got a call from a Random House uh, about them, uh, the publishers in New York, and asked if I would be interested in. Uh, I had this deal with Random House because we had this big studio. They would call me if they got a character license, a new cartoon that was going to be on TV or something. Mm-hmm. They would offer it to me first because they they knew I had a bunch of people and we could work in many styles. So they called me and said, "Hey." Oh, so we got these mutated turtles that live in a sewer and they eat pizza and practice karate and their boss is a rat. You want to do a whole bunch of children's books on this? I went, no, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. And I hung up the phone. And, uh, was the cartoon out yet on television? No, no, no. This was like way before the... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was no... no. Um, Teenage was, Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. It was like the year before the show came out. Okay. And, um, well, then a couple weeks later, as I remember it in my old man uh, brain, uh, it was a couple of weeks, uh, somebody called me, uh, one of their agents, and said, gee, we'd really like to get you on board, you know? And, like, no one calls you twice, you know? Mm-hmm. That was weird. So anyway, he said, can I show you some stuff? And they sent me over um, the storyboards for the first shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hey, we're going to have a TV show. And I looked at the characters and said, oh, they're cute. And um, I said, okay. You know, so that was it. So they, um, I got a bunch of scripts and stuff, and I edited the scripts, and um, uh, we did all the artwork, and... People love them. I mean, they, they still mil- love them. Mil- they sold millions of those books. It's crazy. And we did. We were cranking those books out like they were, you know, all full color airbrushed art. You know. Oh gosh. And but and and the airbrush dust was like so ridiculously <laughs> thick. It was just like gray black everywhere. It was just spraying and spraying and spraying, going crazy. And we were cranking that stuff out, and we didn't even know there was no. Show. Uh-huh. You know, so we're just like, whatever, you know, we're like doing whatever we can do. So you had and, no idea the phenomenon this thing would become. You never do. 
No, okay. no, you just like do the best you can that day. I mean, I still feel bad because I mean, I look at the books and I go, man, we were we we were cranking, uh -huh. you know. So you're saying you, looking back on it now, we were doing it fast. Right. Well, right. We, we had to do it fast because you had to make the deadline gotcha. uh, for publishing. Did you do them all? Did you do all of them throughout the duration of the conference? No, but we did a we did a ton. Uh -huh. uh, uh, we did we did a lot of them. We did uh, coloring books and and uh, and children's story books, mm -hmm. uh, all based on. Um, uh, like first, the first four, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the first four black and whites, you know, the comics that came out. Um, and then we we got scripts from the show, mm -hmm. and we would you know we would work up the work up the stories uh, for the children's books out of the TV scripts. Did you did you okay? So you didn't write the actual stories. You just took we the would get the yeah, we would yeah. get the stories from the TV, gotcha. and then I would edit it. Yeah. So that it would fit into twenty four pages or thirty two pages, something like that. So not only did lightning strike for you twice with the Muppets and and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but it's struck for you three times. Now, I may be getting this out of chronological order, but when did you take on Nancy? Yeah, I, well, I took on Nancy a little bit later, but I, I mean, I was blessed all the way through because, you know, when I was doing the Turtles, I was also doing Tom and Jerry. Really? Uh, I used to love Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, Looney Tunes, um, uh, Pink Panther, Tiny Tunes. I bet you I have some of your comic books in my collection. Oh, I guarantee you do. Oh, my god. Yeah, gosh. yeah, yeah. I got a lot of stuff. Did you ever yeah. do Richie Rich or? No. Uh, no actually, I never worked, on the, never worked on the Harvey stuff. Mm -hmm. I never worked on uh, Walter Lance stuff, uh, Woody Woodpecker, or uh, I never worked on Mighty Mouse. But I worked on, um, like I said, Looney Tunes. I did, uh, did quite a bit of Disney as well. Um, but a lot of Warner Brothers did a ton of Warner Brothers, and uh, and then we did like these little offshoots. Like I did Pink Panther for you know worked on that for a while. Um, not the comic books, but um, but stuff like mm -hmm. merchandise, licensing, style guide, uh, you know stuff for T-shirts, this that the other thing, uh, games, you know toys, that kind of stuff. Uh, with Tom and Jerry, I. Uh, you know, created brand new model sheets of all of the characters and stuff. It was when Ted Turner bought MGM way mm -hmm. back in the day. That was like 88, 89, somewhere in there. Um, I got the call that they owned, you know, Droopy and then all the Tex Avery characters like Red Hot Riding Hood and stuff mm -hmm. and Tom and Jerry, but they had no style guide, no model sheets, no nothing. Mm -hmm. And they sent me VHS tapes of every, you know, Every cartoon, oh, wow. and, uh, and 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 it was great. By then, you could freeze frame, uh -huh. and I could you know work up the characters and stuff from there. And uh, the model sheets and everything that I worked on were then given to animators to animate television shows and movies and stuff like that. That is so cool. Let me ask you this: Did <clears throat> being an and I made this may be a completely <clears throat> ignorant question, so forgive me. But um, did anybody ever say we love the way that you draw? Hey, would you try coming in and drawing on our cartoon, our our, our show? Mm -hmm. uh, did anybody ever? try to get you to switch ships and go from being a comic book to a cartoonist? Yeah, yeah. Um, or did you ever do it? Um, well, I mean, I've, I've been doing motivational speaking and, and having uh, and, and teaching cartoons, but really not so much actually teaching you how to draw like I draw, mm -hmm. but really loosening people up and and and, uh, and and engaging them in some creative fun and some art therapy by drawing. Mm -hmm. And some, some people are really good at art, some people aren't good at art, but everybody can do it. 
And, uh, and you so, believe that? You believe that anybody oh, can do it? Absolutely. Really? Uh, oh, guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people over the years, uh-huh. and yeah. Um, yeah, the only way that you're not going to do it is if you don't pick up the pencil. I mean, if you pick up the pencil, you'll do it. And I'll, I'll break down, and I, I, I've been doing this for years, and I'll break down any character like, you know, Kermit or, uh, you know, Michelangelo from the Turtles or something, and or Nancy and Sluggo, mm-hmm. uh, any of them, Pink Panther, and we'll, I'll show you how to draw. And uh, we just break it down, and I turned into a little magic trick mm-hmm. and it's all part of you know engaging somebody in with the idea that they're going to open up and they're going to start using all of the gifts that they you know that God's given them you know to make the world a better place um, but uh, but yeah we'd actually uh, last year um, uh, met with a guy uh, met with some folks from Hollywood um, through my agent here uh, in town uh, they had worked uh, one of my agents, uh, uh, Michael Martinovich, uh, you know, he ran Columbia for like 23 years, and uh, and Michael had a friend, and anyway, we got together and started talking about uh, me teaching cartooning, a la Bob Ross, uh, on television. Bob Ross was he that guy with the curly hair? That would yeah, 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 yeah. Happy trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's on. He's still on, man. I mean, you know, he is. Oh yeah, the art of painting or the I joy. He passed the away. Joy. Well, he he has passed away, but the shows live on. It's called oh, okay. the joy of painting. Okay. People love that, and I mean, he was great. And anyway, but uh, so they've approached me to do that. So we're actually we're in development on doing that right now. Well, so can you talk about it much? Yeah, not really. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, not really. Uh, but, uh, so basically, I, I mean, without you saying anything, I'm just going to take that, you know, the way you got into this this whole thing about teaching, even as a youngster, and then going into it in Henson and still teaching and everything, you're still taking that, and you're still teaching, and you're still, you know, going out there and doing motivational, motivational speeches and, and teaching art along the way through it, and now you're, you're turning this into a television show to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, I, honestly, you know, the only reason for me to do what I do, um, as it turns out, uh, you know, after all of these years looking back, mm-hmm. you know, you know, when you get a present, um, it's so cool. You know, it's it's great to you get a gift, you open up the gift, right? It's that's great. Sure. You get something, it's great. But it's so much better when you give somebody a gift and you get to watch them be happy and Mm -hmm. then be excited. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like seeing somebody smile, you know, get a gift. Absolutely. That's what art is. That's what it is. Okay. That's what music is. That's what art is. Okay. You have this gift, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you can sing, you can play, you know, I can draw, I can write. Um, And you can sing and play. Don't you dare say that you don't. And I have a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. uh, but when you give it to somebody, that's awesome. Now, if you can teach them mm-hmm. possibly to do it a little bit, or what about this gift? Mm-hmm. They start thinking about this desires, the desires in their heart, um, something that they've always wanted to do but they might be a little scared to do. Maybe when they were a kid, there was somebody that was better at it than them, so they kind of, out of fear of looking like an idiot, they kind of walked away from it. Mm -hmm. Well, now you have an opportunity today to 
open up that gift and try that gift out. And, you know, the more that you play with it, the, the, the more that you work with it, you know, the shinier and bigger and brighter it gets. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, you know, you become sort of a master of it. And then eventually you do it so much and the whole world sees it mm -hmm. uh, or you're part of the whole world sees it. So you just give it away and you, you like show a, somebody else. I bet you like a it. Pied Piper with kids. Man, kinda, <laughs> a little bit. Um, we, we, we do have a good time. We do have a good time when we talk about this stuff because really that's the cool thing about you know doing what you do and what doing what I do mm -hmm. is when you see the joy that it brings you know to somebody else. Yes, it, 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 brings, it brings joy to my heart and it puts money in my pocket. Mm -hmm. um, I am a professional you know, writer and artist um, and that's what I do. I do this for money. Um, but in, but in, in the long run, uh, I do this because God has blessed me with the ability to do this. He's given me the platforms and the characters, uh, that people pay attention, you know, to what I do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I want to use that for his glory. Good. I mean, that's, 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 I, uh, I, I, that's incredible. That the, the idea that you're going to get your own television show after all these years, that it all came back full circle for you. Pretty weird, man. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing that, you know, you're, the vision that you had as a child, and that's why I asked you that, where did you see this whole thing going? And you made it all happen, but yet there was still a bigger plan for you. And the irony is... It was where you started. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's just, it's just, uh, it's kind of a cool picture. It's almost like a movie, if you will. You're making a movie about your life. Hey, man. I hope I live long enough. <laughs> Speaking of which, did they ever make a, a a movie on the Muppets about how they all met? Well, the first movie, you know, the Muppet movie, has them all meeting okay. along the along the road to Hollywood, oh, and okay. they all meet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's the kind of like the prequel. Yeah. You will. I need yeah. to go back and watch the thing. This must be a long yeah. time, too long. Since yeah, you know, it starts off with Kermit in the swamp playing mm -hmm. the, playing the banjo, and. Um, uh, you know, and along the way, you know, they meet people, you know, Ralph playing a piano in a bar and, and stuff. And, uh, I definitely got to go back and watch that. Yeah, now. go watch the Muppet movie, the, the very first one. Okay. It's brilliant. That was like, what, 81, 82? 81. Wow, I can't believe I remembered that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, <clears throat> You know, we were, we were kind of going all over the place because I, I I'm I'm a Muppet oh, I didn't fanboy. talk I didn't talk about Nancy yet, but yeah. Okay. Nancy, yeah. Let's yeah, yeah, yeah. let's so. Okay. Tell me about Nancy. How did yeah. you get involved with Nancy? Um, well, United Features uh, were my licensing agents mm -hmm. for my own characters. I had some characters that uh, maybe some people listening still have books in their house. Uh, the Tiny Dinos uh, with Warner Books. Um, I wrote and illustrated like th those are my own characters I was in the late 80s and we had everything we had toys and games and and uh you know lunch boxes and all that stuff and um and tiny dinos was real successful for me and uh they were my licensing agent so i had a relationship with with united features united features owns nancy mm -hmm. uh, ernie bushmiller the creator of nancy he passed away in 80 or 81 and they had a couple of different people working, writing, and drawing Nancy since 1981. And um, in 1995, the guy that was doing Nancy at the time was leaving, and uh, he had just sold a, 
a new strip to King Feature Zits. Mm -hmm. And uh, Did you say zits? zits. Yeah, zits. Like, like the, the pimples? Yeah, yeah, you know the strip that's in the paper. It's called Zits. It's oh, I didn't funny. know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really funny strip. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, he Jerry Scott, he writes it. And okay. then there's another artist uh, that, that illustrates it. Anyway, he was going over to King Features, and so he was leaving United, and he was leaving Nancy behind. And they asked me if I would try out. My agent called me and said, hey, they really want you to try out. And, you know, th th there's a recurring theme here mm -hmm. in my life. I said, no. <laughs> it, just you know, makes, it just makes people want you more. No, it was just, uh, just me being stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I just said, nah, you know, um, uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't think I drew in the style, you know, of either Jerry Scott or, or Ernie Bushmiller before him. And I had already done two, uh, two comics. I had done Muppets and I had done a thing called The Rock Channel. And I knew it was a grind, you know. I mean, you're doing it every day, no matter what. And I just kind of just blew it off. Mm -hmm. And when I hung up the phone, I went and pulled out a bunch of old Ernie Bushmiller Nancy books mm -hmm. that I had. And I started looking at it and trying to draw them, and I couldn't draw them. And it ticked me off. <laughs> so I kept sit, so I just sat there in the studio for like a week tracing and, and trying to draw the characters. Mm -hmm. And eventually, after about a week or so, I had like six comics that I had done. And I called my agent and said, okay, well, I got six comics. He said, I thought you weren't going to do it. And I said, well, uh, I did. And he said, okay, send them over to me. Um, uh, he said, oh, wait a minute. Wait, it's been a week or two. Let me call United. Anyway, he called United, and they said he came back and said, "Hey, nice, nice work, idiot. You know, they got somebody." Oh, damn. Yeah, and I said, "Oh, okay, all right." He says, "No, no, no. You know, send me what you got anyway, and I'll just bring it over there so that they can see that you can work in a different style." Said, okay, so I sent it over. I don't know who that other guy was, um, but they got rid of him the next day uh, when they got my stuff. Uh, David, my agent, went in. And he called me an hour later. He says, you got a five-year contract. And, you know, that was 22 years ago. Whoa. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. So you, were you the first to start putting your own personal uh, likes into the comic? I think so. I, well, I think that to an extent, Ernie did. I, we all, I think we all do. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly, I was the one that you know started putting country guys and rockabilly guys and mm -hmm. things like that in yeah. there, and you know, and sports teams and this and that. And how much yeah. do I have to pay you to put Honky Tonk Hitman on Fritzy's shirt? Um, Let's see, what do you got? Uh, Let's just check your pocket. All right, it, it's on. probably enough. <laughs> um, it's so funny, man. You know, living here in Nashville, I actually get, like, I get that letter. Really? Say, how much does it cost? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not smart enough to do that. <laughs> I don't do it. I just don't do it. Um, and I just, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a dumb guy. I just, I just, I just don't do it. That's funny. Well, I have noticed that everything that you put on there, you do like. So, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's, I just like it. Like and BR549, I, when I saw that one on there, I was like, that is so cool. I mean, yeah, a lot of the times I put guys in that no one's ever heard of. I mean, unless you kind of live here or you right. live in Memphis or something or Austin or something. Because um, they'll be like songwriters or an obscure, you know, like one hit wonder and stuff like that. Yeah. Like when Gail McCormick, uh, who was the lead singer of Smith, a mm -hmm. group called Smith, they had that big song, Baby It's You, okay. back in 69. Uh, when she passed away, I put a little thing in there. I, no one remembers a group called Smith, but 
she was in there in front of you know you know 57 million people that there's day. people that saw it there's people yeah. that remembered who she was yeah. you know it yeah. may not have been uh, relevant for the entire demographic but there were people out there that knew that well and, you know and, and people do go look They'll right go look right, right you know i mean certainly you know like when like merle passed you know i mean i did a tribute to did merle. you oh yeah i mean uh, yeah I, I certainly think i've seen that one yeah 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 that ran um, usually it'll run about four to six weeks after you know someone passes away if I do something like that because that's my lead time. That uh, crushed me. I mean, out of all the people that we've lost, and we lost a lot this year. Man. Uh, it's been a bad year, man. Uh, but that one just devastated me. Um, but anyway, I'm sorry, drove yeah. off again. No, nah, I mean you know I mean I, I look at you know. I, uh, you know, I look at all the guys that uh, you know passed on that you know had an opportunity to play with, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know sing with, um, uh, to write a song with, mm -hmm. something like that to hang out with. Uh, it's man, it's it's rough, and I mean even when they're older, it's still it's it's hard. You know, it's it's very very it's it's very very hard to say goodbye. Sure. Um, the only thing we're guaranteed in this life is that we won't get out of it alive. That's it, man. That's it. And the IRS is coming to the door. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, um, so then you, you've been doing it for 22 years, and yeah. it's never stopped. Have you ever thought about creating your own lineup? I mean, I know you did it earlier, uh, you know, with the, with the... But have you ever thought, like, doing, like, a superhero comic or anything? Or that just didn't interest nah, you? Yeah, well... Honestly, I don't have time. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, there's, there's sort of, there's been. I, I've kind of gotten to do everything I've wanted to do. Um, we, as a studio, uh, I have other people that do, you know, work with me that mm -hmm. will assist me, uh, mostly doing color mm -hmm. and the digital stuff that I don't do. Okay. Uh, but we're pretty busy in right. that, uh, like. Uh, you know, uh, the, the past couple of weeks we've worked on a television commercial, uh, you know, creating an animated character for a television commercial that will get, uh, this animated character will get dropped into live action. Oh, wow. And is that your partner that does that? Uh, the young lady? Does she do all Oh, those? Anna? Yeah. No, Anna, well, Anna works uh, on kind of everything with me. You know, okay. she'll, uh, I'm teaching her. She's she's 22 uh -huh. and, and she didn't go to art school, so this is her art school. Okay. And uh, You're doing for her what people have done for you in the past. That's yeah. exactly right. right. So, you know, so she's been training on the strip a lot, um, and and then also going on the road. You know, doing all the conventions and stuff like that with me. And she's, I see those she's pictures, awesome. and it's so cool. I mean, to see you out there and doing all that stuff like it's pretty fun, man. I mean, do, do, do you not get like fanboyish at the at the? I mean, even though you people are fanboyish over oh, you, but are you kidding me? Right? Oh my gosh! I mean, uh, I, I mean, uh, I mean, I sit next to Neil Adams. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, the greatest living, you know, comic book artist is, is like right there and he knows my name. I mean, oh, it's, it's absolutely mind-blowing. And to meet people like Stan Lee, oh, you know, my you goodness. grow up with, or, or William Shatner, uh -huh. uh, you know, some of these folks that are, you know, that are at these cons, and, um, and wonderful things wind up happening. Like, um, I don't really watch a lot of television. Mm -hmm. um, I'm kind of busy. And uh, I, I have it on his radio in the other room, usually news or something. And the only thing I really watch is like Andy Griffith and Supergirl. I love that show, Supergirl. <laughs> so um, I'm really happy that Wonder Woman's going to be on Supergirl now. Um, no way. Yeah, Linda Carter got hired uh, the other day to be the president of the United States now. I'm still in love Supergirl. with Supergirl. 
who isn't? Oh, dude? right. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 And so she's gonna be the president of the United States now in Supergirl. Um, so now you have to watch. Uh, but anyway, I don't really watch a lot of TV, so a lot of the actors that are at these cons and stuff, uh-huh. I mean, I'll, 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 underst- I'll know the franchise, you know, some zombie franchise or whatever. Uh, or Walking the movies, Dead. Or Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah. yeah, the Walking Dead or the George Romero movies, the Dawn of the Dead, or mm-hmm. um, and then even the even some of the Marvel movies I haven't seen yet, Captain America, or I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I mean, I wind up meeting these, you know, meeting these guys uh, and and. Women. Uh, and it's it's really really cool. Um, the one of the guys, the guy that played Data uh, on the second Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, Brent Spiner. Uh huh. Super duper guy, man. He's a huge Muppet fan. He came over and like hung out in the booth one day, and uh, uh, he was awesome because then we like we we like Instagrammed out you know pictures and stuff, mm-hmm. and I gained like three hundred like followers like in like five minutes you know um uh but you know huge muppets and muppet babies fan and stuff and uh there have been a lot of guys like that one of the guys that was in uh, guardian the uh, guardians galaxy mm-hmm. was over hanging out um and uh barry bostwick <laughs> came over the other day yeah. and it's so cool man that was that was really really cool I like Barry Bostwood. So Data, uh, I don't know, what's his real name? Brent Spiner. So he is in a new TV show called Outcast. Really? Yeah, and, and Outcast is made, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's originated as a comic book. Let me say, I'll give you the short, short version of this one. Um, Kirkman, who created uh, Walking Dead, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was the, he created the comic book and then the comic book created the TV show and they started doing all of that and, and uh, they wanted his next big thing. So he said, uh, well, I got an idea for, you know, uh, following possession, kind of the way, you know, Walking Dead did with zombies, but we'll do it with possession. And, and you know, basically called Outcast or something like that. And, and that was all he gave them. No comic book, no nothing. And uh, they came back to him and they said, all right, well, we're, we're hiring, we're buying this TV show. And we're buying, <laughs> he hadn't even created the comic book yet, and they're already buying the TV show. Wow. So, so he went ahead and created, you know, the comic book. And, and uh, there's apparently the character... My wife and I have seen, there's only like three episodes out. It's brand new. And uh, we both think that the character that he's playing is the devil. But we don't know because we haven't. We've, I've only got one comic book that uh, it's the initial one, that, okay. the, and then we've seen three episodes of the television. So I don't know if he's really the devil or not. But boy, he's a spooky. Oh, I gotta dude. check this out. Yeah, he's a spooky dude. Now, if, if demonic possession and all that scares you, mm-hmm. which it, it kind of gets it to does, me a little it bit. Does, it does me. Yeah, yeah. I did. Like the other night, I was getting in bed and I was by myself because my wife was still out and, I was, and I, the lights were out. And I'm like, kind of a little chicken. I was like, <laughs> kind of like maybe I need to leave the door cracked. Like, there's a lay up there with the kids because they might not feel safe by themselves. I'm, I'm kind of with you. You know, I, honestly, I mean, I always really liked monsters. I, I loved, you know, the Universal Monsters and all the B-movies of the 50s and 60s and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, and I, I like horror movies. I like, you know, monsters. I like stuff that makes you jump and everything. But that satanic stuff? Oh, uh, yeah. I stay away from it. I don't, I, I don't like it. You know, I, and I, I, I when, when you start, you know, blah, 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 yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, like, man, count me out. <laughs> my, my son and I just got through watching uh, The Conjuring and it scared the fire out of us. Oh, yeah. That's that stuff. You're right, man. It's just, when you start seeing things like zombies and things, you're, you you play off into your head, oh, this will never happen. I'm not scared. But then when you start seeing like Position. demons and possessions, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going, 
yeah, that kind of scares me a little bit. You know, <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not 100% sure whether this can happen or not, but I don't really want to try. No, I'm good. You know, I'm yeah. good. I'm all good. Yeah. I'm all good. Um, man, I, I appreciate you being on today. Are you gonna Are you gonna go out to the San Diego Comic Con? Uh, I'm not gonna do that one. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're, we're 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 booked that weekend, I think, somewhere. I don't know where. Um, uh, but uh, if if folks go to uh, nancyandslugo.com, mm-hmm. um, just all spelled out, nancyandslugo.com. Uh, you know, all of the dates are you know where I'm gonna be. Okay. You know, are are there? Um, and uh, and honestly. You know, I've got like so many things that I'm doing, and I'm so uh, completely, you know, messy with everything. <laughs> uh, I actually have to go to my website to see where I'll be. Well, that's a, hey, that's you a know? good thing though. That means you're super busy, <laughs> and super busy means uh, uh, it's super profitable. So. Um, um, I've got to start making it out to some of these. I got to come out of the closet and share my geekiness and nerdiness, and I got to start going out to some of these comic cons. Man, it's fun. It's, it it really is. Uh, you know, I never did them as I told you. You know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and I'm I'm glad that I do. Uh, it's not like you think. It's not you know all comic books. It's like it's everything. It's mm-hmm. like it's every it, it's sci-fi. It's everything. All right. And. Uh, uh, and, uh, and and there's always no matter what you're into, really, mm-hmm. there's something there you know that you'd be you'd be into. So you you do the Nashville Comic Cons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when is the next one? They're skipping it this year. They're oh. they're yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, but they're they're not going to do it this year. They're they're coming back next year, like they're switching up weeks or something like that. I was really bummed out because I mean obviously that's a homer for me. Yeah. Did they not do well last year? Or something? They did great, but uh-huh. I mean um. But they changed uh, uh, CEOs and stuff, and they mm-hmm. just like sort of changed up, uh, changed up some stuff. Um, and uh, I know that they expanded a lot, mm-hmm. uh, so they're going into they're doing some first year shows that they never did. So I think that they had to just kind of, you know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, they're not doing. Uh, they won't be here. I'll be in Louisville uh, Saturday. I'll be in Louisville. Saturday. What's the date? Because this uh, comes out Tuesday, so. Oh, okay. Well, I've already been in, in Louisville, so. <laughs> Speaking to you, you know, now in the future from the past. Back um, to the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, there, there aren't too many right around here um, uh, in Nashville. Uh, I know that there's another Comic-Con this weekend, um, uh, or last weekend for you people listening now, uh, in Knoxville. This is getting really weird. <laughs> uh, but anyway, go check out NancyAndSluggo.com. It's probably still there. So uh, there is a Comic-Con, though, uh, this upcoming weekend would be the, what, the 24th, 25th? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah you, like, one, both of them? I'm doing that one. Yeah, okay, yeah. so uh, so is it any, is it like a, because I think there's zombie cons, too, aren't there? Oh, yeah, there's like everything. Uh, yeah, there's like fright, you know, stuff, and there's all kinds of stuff, and then there's like the anime, you know, there's anime That's stuff. That's the one thing I can't um, get into. Yeah, uh, I'm not into it either. Uh-huh. Um, not into it either. We were staying, um, where the heck were we were in Minneapolis mm-hmm. uh, about two months ago, and we were doing uh, the Wizard World Comic Con. But in our hotel that we were staying at, next to Convention Center, they were having an anime convention. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was like if I see one, the next Pikachu I see, I'm just gonna launch. You know, I'm just gonna boom, pow, right to the moon. <laughs> it's just like you know, you see a you know, little Japanese, you know, kitty. <laughs> Princessy, you know, 
and Pikachu and whatever, and I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so you gonna do any more music? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm actually. You know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm writing all the time, and um, and uh, and I. I can pretty much guarantee you that on this television show, the theme song will be written by me. That is awesome. Oh, you know it, man. Uh, who was the guy on Growing Pains that son ended up becoming a. a a pop star yeah and he wrote all I mean like he wrote like tons of stuff for his own TV shows what yeah, was that guy yeah, 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 yeah. who was he uh, yeah, Growing Pains. He was the star on Growing Pains. He was the, uh, the doctor dad. Oh, in, yeah. Um, uh, uh, um, Thick. Alan Thick. Alan Thick. There you go. And his son. Yes, and his yeah. son. Uh, yeah. Robin Thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, now, okay, the Growing Pains song, mm-hmm. right? Um, who sang that? I thought it was Alan Thick. Did he sing yeah, it? Yeah, I think he sang it too. Okay, okay. Yeah, and he, I think he also wrote uh, Give Me a Break. Man, he made some money off yeah, that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. He probably made more money than Robin off of all those TV shows, especially when they went into syndication. And yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because yeah, because I mean, you know, Robin's in the you know, I mean, he sells a lot, but I mean, he's in download world now. So. <laughs> well, he actually got in lawsuit world. He got sued because apparently they stole the song or. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the from Marvin Gaye, the Marvin Gaye family sued him, him and somebody else, and uh, they lost a lot of money uh, from from doing it. Apparently, they sampled something they weren't supposed uh, to off of Marvin Gaye. So I don't know enough about it. I see Led Zeppelin's off the hook. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I saw that too today. Uh, that's right. Uh, so yeah, the stairway to heaven. We were all fearful that that had been taken. Well, I mean, if you, I mean, and if you listen to, you know. The spirit song. It's was it uh, was it close? Oh, it's yeah. Do you think they took it? Yeah, I think they did. Oh, um, but God. I mean, but you know, but the thing was that the guy that that wrote the song and produced it. I mean, he had any ears or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he passed away, and he never did sue them over it. And it was actually the executor, the the the, the attorney for the estate, that eventually you know went after uh, Led Zeppelin over it. Mm-hmm. And so this was a lawyer going after, you know, money from people, from creators, and he hadn't created anything. Um, And so, you know, and there was no way that he was going to win. And certainly that particular chord progression, you know, I mean, that goes all the way back to Mozart and Strauss. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it is a classical progression, and it's the same progression that's in Michelle by the Beatles. Um, But, yeah, I mean, they opened for spirit, it, it, I read, um, and so they knew of them, even though I'd never heard of the band, uh, you know. But uh, and it was just a little piece of the song, but yeah. I so I had that same thing happen to me, uh, and I, I, I and it was almost note for note, and in some parts word for word. Seriously, seriously, word for word, word for word, and this was a big name. And I had given them my CD, mm-hmm. and uh, what what I told them was, hey, you know, if you hear something on here you want to record, then uh, you know, you're more than welcome to do it. Thinking yeah. that I'm going to be the writer on this song or whatever else. Uh, but I think what they did was they just kind of went in there and re-engineered mm-hmm. and took pieces, bits and pieces from three different songs that were on there, and then put them on three songs on the same record of theirs. Holy smokes! So anyway, I took took it to. Uh, took it to a couple of people and said, what do I do about this? You know, because they obviously, I pl- we played their version, my version, and they're like, yeah, they, they're a big Mike Rogers fan. And I said, well, what do I do? And they said, there's nothing you can do. 
They said, because, you know, you want to be bigger in the business. You want to be making it in the business. And if you do something against this person, you will be out of this business forever. And they said, I am in the business. And if I do something, then I'll be out of the business. So basically, your hands are tied. You're just going to have to sit here and accept it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. I did... uh uh, I mentioned the tiny dinos. Um, we uh, uh, we had uh, when I d- was doing the books, we had two offers, one from NBC and one from CBS. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do the NBC one because uh, they were offering money, and the the CBS one uh, didn't have any money attached. But our producer had worked uh, with CBS a lot for like. 15 years mm-hmm. and really wanted to you know sign with with CBS so anyway he he uh, he made the deal with CBS morning uh, you know Saturday morning uh, to put out the tiny dino show and uh, we let NBC drop well uh, so they had the option but they didn't pay anything and we're waiting 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 and all of a sudden they dropped the option uh, a month before you know the the, the season starts, the show uh, season starts. Of course, we can't do anything, you know, by then, so we're holding on to a show that's now been dropped, um, a, a script that's been dropped, and NBC doesn't want us now, you know, they're filled up. What they had done was they, they, had, a, they had their own baby dinosaur show. Oh, no. And they used their relationship with my producer to cut us out. Uh, so that they could produce this and blow NBC out of the water at the same time. It was a big home run for them. Oh, man. And, uh, it's a rough business. Yeah, Entertainment it, it business is a it's, rough, it is. It's a business. very, very rough business. And, and uh, it was the same kind of thing where I said, you know, we got to go after these guys. And I'm like, we can't go after them. Right. It's CBS. Right. So, yeah, you, you've got you know, the you same story. Work, you want to work in this business mm-hmm. again? Right, right. Yeah. So it's like you suck it up and you, you go and... You just create more okay. things. Yeah. You just you just you just go. Yeah. But hey, you know, uh, for all of you for all of yous out there listening, uh, it could be better for you. Uh, just uh, play it smart. Uh, the, the the best advice I was ever given uh, for the music business, anyway, was I was told that if you come to this town uh, carrying a guitar case, you better be carrying a briefcase in the other. Meaning yeah. that you better know the business as well as you know the music because uh, you'll get your butt handed to you if you don't. And so I guess it's that way in every part of the it, entertainment it, it, business. It is. I mean, uh, you know, in, in cartooning too. I mean, if you hear these people that say, well, I mean, I do it for the fun of it or, you know, I, I do this even I get paid. When you hear that, kind of, that's all well and good. Right. But professional is professional and you know and, and you want to find out what that means mm-hmm. and you want to you know conduct yourself that way right and uh, you know you want to you know get in there and you know swim in the big pond with a big fish right right so that means I, I remind I gotta remember that professional is professional because I gotta tell my wife I can't give you any more money <laughs> <laughs> yeah good luck with that <laughs> hey do me a favor and uh, as we close out the show will you um, uh, will you tell the, uh, the, uh, the audience dream big everybody Dream big, everybody. Heck yes, dream big. Man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage- <laughs>